God is helping me. You know, no matter how much I trust in um, feeling like I can pray, I always seek the Lord to pray better, to pray just to make sure I'm praying the right way. So it doesn't matter how much I pray, I'm still knocking on the doors of the Lord. Lord, is there more about this prayer thing? Is there is there more that I need to know? Is there more that I need to experience in prayer? Because I want to experience more. And I tell you, I don't know about you, but the more I get into praying and talking to the Lord, oh my God, my soul, my spirit just says yes. And I just want to keep going and letting the Spirit of God just have His way. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 8. Acts chapter 9, verse 8. Again, it's so wonderful to be with all of you. Thank you for coming out and being with us tonight in our Bible study. Amen. You could have stayed on your deck today and just enjoy the nice weather. (laughs) Hallelujah. Could have stayed home and just enjoy yourself. But you pushed it on out. Amen. Acts chapter 9, we'll begin in verse 8, and we'll read through verse 18. I'm excited about our lesson tonight. I'm always excited about the Word of God. And it has nothing to do with me teaching. It has to do with just, I just love the Word of God. Amen. This is going to help you tonight. Tell somebody, this is going to help me tonight. Exactly. Acts chapter 8. I'm glad you're listening. I was just teasing you. Acts chapter 9. Because this is famous passage of scripture, so there's no way to get this confused. But this is some good stuff here. So Acts chapter 9 verse 8 says this. Listen to everything I'm saying. I'm going to try to read as slow as I can to make sure we're getting this. I've planned and told myself that I need to cut down on uh, my preaching as far as... it information wise and focus on specifics that God wants us to be focused on. So here we go. Acts chapter nine, verse eight says, and Saul, Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Saul was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. It's amazing that when he fell to the ground and he got up from the ground, they had to lead him now because he was blinded, but they led him to the place where he was headed. So they led him to Damascus. Verse 9, and he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. Verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a what? A vision. Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Hmm. Eleven. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into thy street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For Behold, he what? Prayeth. Now that's key. You need to under, you need to underline that. For behold, he prayeth. It's very important. 
and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So he prayeth, right? So the, the Bible says, behold, he prayeth. So Saul was praying and in his prayer, he saw in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Now that's curious to, 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 to think about. Why did God allow him to see what was getting ready to happen to him in his prayer? How many times God let you see what was going to happen to you in your prayer? Don't put your hand up, but God doesn't do that a whole lot. He does it some, doesn't do it a whole lot. Verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he had authority from the chief priests to bind all that called on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Saul, actually let me not, let me not leave out the brother, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. There's a whole lot of stuff going on there. A whole lot of stuff. One of the things that I looked at that 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 I love because I don't know how much we 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 tend to walk according to God, how we ad- adapt to the, the the personality or the character of what God is trying to get us to adapt to. Meaning, this stuck out to me. Many things stuck out, but here's one that stuck out. The Lord told Ananias. Go to Saul because he's praying. And I want you to go and go pray for him. Lay hands on him. And Ananias, Ananias said, oh, 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 Lord, hold on, Lord, hold on. This dude was persecuting Christians. This dude was off the chain, Lord. You want me to go and pray for him, laying hands on him? I don't know about that, Lord. And the Lord says, go, for he is my chosen vessel. That alone should tell us, let's not talk about anybody. That alone should tell us we can't say anything about anybody because here is this man that was persecuting Christians that if me and you were in the time of Ananias, we would have said the same thing. Man, what you talking about, Jesus? Pray for him? That dude might chain me up when I go to pray for him and and keep me there and try to kill me. I'm not going by him. And that's an extreme thing there that we're reading about because 
he was trying to kill Christians. And so, here we go. So the Lord told him, just go and do it. We have to be careful how we address people. We have to be careful what we think of people. Because if the Apostle Paul, who we know to become the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul first, because if he was such a mess in his life, and and he was one that, that me and you would have looked at and said, he's a terror. I'm not even walking close by him. And God used him to become such a great soul winner and such an awesome man of God. What can God do in your life, my life, and people that's not even in church yet? When we go places and we see people, we can't just look at them and just kind of glare at them like they're whatever. Because you don't know how God wants to use them. That is, that is, I wish we can be real Christians about that. Because I think that no matter what happens in our life, somehow we still glare at people like they're, mm, nah, there's no way. Almost like they have, there's no help for them. Then we think some people, we don't give them a chance. They, they've made mistakes after they come to know who God is. And now all of a sudden, oh, they're, they're no good because they made mistakes. This guy right here, none of us made worse things. Didn't None of us in here can say we did any worse than him. Amen. This dude was trying to shut down God's church. And so we have to start looking at people the way God look at people. And everybody God sees, he sees potential in them. Everybody God sees, he sees just something great that can happen in them and through them. Who are you and me who did not create them to see them any differently? Oh man, I wish we can see people the way God see people. I wish we can look at people the way God look at them. Our life will not be the same. If we can just pray every day, God, will you help me to see people the way you see them? We will have a different outlook on everything in life. Let me see people, God, the way you see them. Because God sees them differently from the way we do. Everybody have a chance. Everybody is potentially an Apostle Paul. We can't look at people and just throw them out. We can't stop speaking to people because we think they're unworthy or they did me wrong. Because who were we when we never gave our life for them to see them that way when the Creator and the one that gave them life don't see them that way? And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Prayers God hears, lesson number two. Prayers God hear, lesson number two. Maybe I don't need to go to any lesson tonight and just stick with that subject right there. How we see people. Ananias told the Lord, not so, Lord. I'm not praying for that dude. That dude was persecuting Christians. No, 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 no. And God said, oh no, he's a chosen vessel. God, chosen vessel? And you know, <laughs> Ananias might, must have had a good attitude, but I just can think of some of us. <laughs> when God says a chosen vessel, we really wasn't going. Because God, you know who did that? The prodigal son did that. 
So I know what I'm talking about is right. So I can see some of us, God said, no, she's a chosen vessel. Oh, hold on. I'm living for you. I'm doing right. How is she chosen? Am I not chosen? Am I not going to be used by you greatly? Because I'm in the kingdom and living for you. This person is not even saved right now. How are they chosen and I'm not chosen? Oh, that's how we would do it. You know, we watch people come to church and all we're going to do is look at them. We just looking the other way because we don't believe God can do something great in their life. We have to start seeing people the way God sees them. God knows what he puts in them. He knows when he created all of us what he built in us. So we need to see people the way God sees people. Prayers that God hears. Lesson number two. Last week when we talked about prayers God hears, we talked about that there were prayers that were according to God's will. So last week when we talked about the prayers that God hears, we said it was the prayers according to God's will. So if you want God to hear your prayers, you have to pray according to God's will and not according to what you want. That, that never goes over real good. We, we, we've been talking about that. Anytime I got to tell you about something you don't like, that don't go over real good. We're going to grow up, though. We're going to get real good at this, that, that we're going to start getting excited about stuff we don't like. Because we know it's good for us. And so uh, prayers that God hears are prayers according to the will of God. And then we talked about the four essentials in praying the will of God. We talked about the four essentials. So if you're going to be praying the will of God, you have to pray according to these four essentials because it's hard to pray according to the will of God without these four essentials. So we talked about that. And the first essential way of praying when we pray the will of God is that we must pray with humility. We must pray with humility, meaning that if we don't realize that we can't but God can, then our prayers will never get answered. You got to see yourself as I can't, but God can. And if God can, then I can. But you don't put yourself before God because you can't, but God can. That's why he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. So I can't, but God can. And if I dwell in Christ, then I can do it through Christ. So we have to pray in humility, understanding we have nothing to offer, but just give ourselves to God and he will do the work through us. So humility was one of the essentials. The other essential in praying according to God's will is praying, speaking in faith. Praying, speaking in faith. So when we pray in faith, it's an essential to pray in the will of God. You can't please God without faith. The Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 11 and 6. So you can't please God if you don't pray in faith. You can't get God to do anything for you if you don't pray with humility. And the other essential we talked about is praying, having hope. If you don't have hope, which our hope is in Christ, for he is the hope of glory. And so we don't pray with the hope of Christ, not your hope. But the hope who is Christ, if we don't pray like that, then we can't pray according to God's will. Then we talked about praying, releasing the blessings of God. 
praying, releasing the blessings of God. So as Christian people, we have the right to pray and release the blessings of God in people's life. That's where we read that prayer in, 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 in Numbers when it talked about the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord Cause his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and give thee peace. So God has shown us that we can pray the prayers of God releasing blessings upon people. What did we say blessings was last week? Anybody? Favor and honor. Favor and honor are the blessings of God. So when you say God bless you. What you're saying is God favor and honor be upon your life. And that sounds real good. Because when God favors working in your life, we talked about that. That my goodness, that is so amazing how things work. I mean, God favor in your life just is just so wonderful because God is making everything go the way it needs to go in your life. And, and things are coming your way that really you don't deserve. Things are happening good for you that you shouldn't have happened for you. But God's favor is in your life and so it's happening. God is making people see you in a light that they've never seen you. That's the honor. So you're wondering, my goodness, what's going on with that per person? Because God's blessings is upon them. So God is giving them an honorable name and God is giving them favor. So wherever you go, I remember reading when God told Abraham and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee and 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 in you will all the worlds be blessed and 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 I remember reading and I says man that that's fantastic and so if you bless the man of God God will bless you because that's God's chosen vessel that He's using and God is saying guess what if you bless them I'll bless you and the blessings is honor and favor and I remember. I remember, you know, sometimes we don't realize how God works, but I remember when I started going to church and I started walking with God and obeying God, I watch my name change. I watch people looked at me different. I watch how things was changing in my life. I watch how I went to places and people looked at me like, Who's that guy? Before Christ, they didn't have to do a double take. Because for whatever reason, I didn't need a double take. But when God blessed me, mean honor and favor, they didn't have a choice but to give a double take. Because now God's honor and favor is in my life. And when that's happening, people right away know something different about you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. All right. Prayers that God hears... Tonight, the other prayer we're going to talk about, or the other kind of prayer we're going to talk about that God hears, is prayers of need. So we, we talked about praying according to God's will. God will hear those prayers. But I'm telling you tonight, if we pray the prayers according to need, God will hear those prayers and respond to those prayers. And I'm here to tell you, praying the prayers of need is praying the will of God. All right. Now let me mess with you a little bit. We'll have some discussion here in a second. Throughout Scripture, we discover that God hears and responds to prayers of need. 
We'll get to it in a second so we can prove it out because, you know, we got to prove everything. Let me say this. Only God Almighty can fulfill the human need. Now, key word. You better look at the key word. The key word is need. The key word is need. Because sometimes, you know, we'll start thinking about our wants and categorize our wants as need. But, but, but I'm telling you tonight that God will answer prayers of need, not prayers of wants, prayers of need. And so we're going to talk about this tonight, that God will answer prayers of need. And praying for needs is praying God's will. God is all right with that. All right. So let me ask you this question. What would you say is the need or needs of human beings? The, the, I'm talking about the very basic needs of human beings. What will you say those needs are? Anybody want to take a shot at it? Food? Water? Anybody else? Love. Ooh, that's a good one. Y'all might have missed that one. Anybody else? Okay, communication is true, but I believe you'll get that in love, right? Shelter. Huh? No, you'll get it in love, trust me. And the reason why I'm telling you that is, we might be off in what we uh, uh, deem as love. Like, our definition for love is probably off. That's why I can say that. But if we go with the definition of God, uh, God's definition of love, then we'll see that we'll get communication out of it. But, but according to what some people do and how we have processed and been taught, uh, yeah, people say they love and there's no communication, and, but that's not love. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Okay. Health. Okay. Time. Kind. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Relationship. Okay. That comes out of love. Yes, relationship comes out of love. Communication comes out of love. Yeah. All right, so here are some basic needs and probably the basics of basic needs that we have as human beings that we need to survive. We need oxygen. Anybody said that? that, 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 that that's number one. You, you, nurse, you said that? Okay. We need, we need oxygen. No oxygen, there's no life. It's just that simple. So we need oxygen. We need food. We need water. We need shelter and protection. We need love. We need to grow. And we need sleep. <laughs> Challenge those if you want. I don't think you can. Without any one of those things I just named... Sooner or later, your life will deteriorate and you can't make it. Mm -hmm. Then I started looking at that and I said, okay, that's the natural. Let's look at the spiritual behind those things. Oxygen. Life. Oxygen and life is synonymous. Right, nurse? No oxygen, no life. It's just that simple. God is the one that give life. And the way he gave life was when he breathed into our nostril and we became a living soul. So oxygen is synonymous to God breathing into our nostril and we becoming a living soul. Okay? 
So oxygen is important. Then food. We said food. We need to eat food, right? So that's important. So here is the story. Food is natural, but the word of God is spiritual. Food is natural. The word of God is spiritual. Then we move on to, we said water. Out of your belly. (laughs) The Holy Ghost we need. Then I said shelter slash protection. Guess what that equates to? The church. I'm coming back for church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Or should I say this? The gates of hell. You in the church, you can't be destroyed. (laughs) God help us. Oh, it's spiritual. You in the church, you can't be destroyed. So you need to be protected and sheltered. And that's where we get it in the church. Then love. The Bible says God is love. So you need God. (laughs) Then we said we need growth. Spiritually, spiritual maturity. And we need sleep, rest, and a sound mind. Those are the basic needs we need as human beings naturally. But as you can see, spiritually it's the same thing. You can't do without those things spiritually. So God is on his game. He will always help us. What motivates our prayers? We asked that question last week. What motivates our prayers? What, what, what make you start praying? Ask yourself that. Now, we talked about today that God hear prayers of need. And so we know that now. But ask yourself, what was causing me to pray before today? Now, tomorrow when we pray, tonight when we pray, we will pray prayers of need. But what? Have motivated, have motivated me to pray. What is it that have motivated me to pray? It should be need. Need should motivate us to pray. It could be tempting to always pray for the, for, for God to align with what you desire, with what your will is. It's easy to pray that. But we need to pray Prayers of need, because prayers of need, God will hear. Behold, he prayeth. That's what the scripture said about Saul. Saul prayeth. Prayer is the outcome of that sense, that deep sense of need, which arises from the new life in Christ. Or one with great need that they need fulfilled. So prayer is the outcome of that sense of need which arises from a a, a new life in Christ. When you are a new Christian, you know I need to pray. I, I need to talk to the one that keeps me. I need to be upheld by the one that keeps me. I need answers from the one that keeps me. So when you're a new Christian, prayer just comes out because of need to stay connected with Christ. And, and even those that are not saved yet, that don't know Christ, when they have deep need naturally, somehow prayers will 
just begin to just come from them because they know I've tried everything. I've tried to do everything. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, I tried everything. I went to all these doctors and that doctor and, and, and I spent all my money to try to get healed from this issue of blood. So she cried out. She needed a cure. She needed something to happen. And so when we have great need in our life, naturally, we will also call on the name of the Lord. Because you will realize, I've turned every place I could, and there was no response. There were no answers. Uh, No situation got worked out. Nobody could tell me what to do uh, that really worked. Uh, And so now, uh, I have to pray. I might not know how to pray. I might not know how to say the right words. uh, But what I can say is the need that I have in my life. God, I am desperate to be healed. You don't need to know how to pray when you when you get desperate. When you have a great need, you don't have to know how to play, pray eloquently. You don't need to have to know all the words in the Bible. All you know is I've got a need and I'm calling on the one that can fulfill or meet this need. That's who I'm calling on. He will hear that prayer. Prayers that God hears. Prayers of need. Prayers of need are very important. The the, the problem is, we, we don't realize what our needs are. We just keep trying to fulfill our wants. We just try to keep doing what we see everybody else do as opposed to saying, let me look at my life. Let me look at what's going on. What is my real need? You pray your need, Holy Ghost. You pray what the need is and God will give you what you want. We want stuff while we have need and God can't work backwards like that. That's backwards. That's like having a Lamborghini you live in the projects. God can't give you a Lamborghini while you're in the projects. He's going to have to take you your knees to get your life in order before you can handle the Lamborghini. So we're praying for wants and God is saying, no, you've got so many needs in your life. I need to give you the needs. I need to provide what you need in your life because you can't handle the wants that you have right now. And so we got to start looking at what we're praying. Is it a want or is it a need? Because God will answer the prayer of need. But the want that you're praying for, God says, let's, let's, let's wait for that, honey. Let, let's, let's put that to the side right now. Let's deal with some of these needs that you have. Let me show you something. Saul, as we know, who became the Apostle Paul. Right? He used to pray. Before he got saved. He was a Pharisee. Which means he was. uh, 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 I don't know. A political Christian. uh, A religious Christian. Right. So he was a Pharisee. And so as a Pharisee. He prayed. Saul was a Pharisee. And therefore a man who habitually repeated prayers. Repeated prayers. Pharisees boasted of the regularity, the number, and the length of their prayers. 
So they would pray with regularity. They would pray a number of times. They would pray in lengthy prayers. And so they bragged on that. That's what the Pharisees did. And so Paul, Saul, was no stranger to what he thought was prayer. But we never read in the scripture before this time when the scripture says, Behold, he prayeth. The Lord never said he prayed any other time. Uh, you find out where I'm going. For the Lord to say, Behold, he prayeth, it meant all of those other times while living as a Pharisee, Paul prayers wasn't prayers to God. Listen to this. Most Pharisees prayed nine hours per day. That's, well, they call it prayers, though. Let me take that back. It's categorized as prayers, but we know the Lord didn't hear it. They prayed nine hours a day. Let me tell you how they do it. The first hour, I would love to do this, but I know I'm really praying. The first hour, they sit there and just meditate on the Lord. One hour, just sit around and just think about the Lord. One hour. Then the next hour, they prayed Supplication prayer, seeking God and calling on God for stuff they wanted. Then the third hour, they sat there and listened for the Lord. They did that at 9 a.m. Oh, I'm sorry. They did that at 6 a.m. They did it at noontime. And they did it in the evening time. Yeah. Three times a day, three hours. 6 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m. Three hours. That was the Pharisees. Despite all Saul's former superfluity of devotion, Saul... All his life long had never really prayed. And he devoted himself to what he had believed in. He was a religious guy. But to God, he didn't really pray. Until the first broken hearted confession of sin that came from Saul's mouth with heartfelt prayer and heartfelt Sorrow in his heart, in God's mind and eye, he never prayed. Remember the prayer of the sinner and the publican. The publican stood in the temple and says, Lord, I thank you that I pay tithes. And I thank you that this and this. And he was thanking God for all the things he did. And the Bible says the sinner stood with his hands clasped like this and says, Oh God, have mercy upon a sinner like me. Until you go before God and realize that you are a sinner and you have sinned and that's a need you have in your life to have your sin removed, you're not really praying. 
until we go before God and says, God, I am a sinner, a wretch undone. And Lord, I struggle with sin. And I can never overcome sin without you. You gave your life and shed your blood that my sin will be removed. But I still struggle. But I know greater is he that is in me. God, my need is for me to overcome sin. That's prayer. That's prayer of need. I need to overcome sin, Lord. I don't want sin to get the best of me. And I struggle every day. Help me, Lord God, to overcome sin. We don't want to look at that situation because that's a need. That ain't a want. That's a need. And to think that we're doing all right and we're living holy and everything is all good, we're deceived. We talked about this the other day. You sitting in church, good, good, listening to the preacher. And all of a sudden, this strong thought of something you did wrong come to your mind. And you're saying, you got to be kidding me. When can I rid myself of these things? I'm in church. I'm listening to the word of God. I just prayed. I'm lifting my hands in worship. Why is this thought coming in my mind? You got to tell God. That's a need, God. I need you to deliver me from just just the things that I, I need to forget about some of these things. I pray that God remove, scrub it away from my heart, remove it out of my mind, erase it, so it will never be another thought of that thing in my mind. Man, I'm trying to tell you how to really pray so God can hear you. If you want to be like the Pharisee and just pray some superficial prayers, just prayers of words that's with no meaning, alright, you'll get frustrated with God. And when you get frustrated with God, you can end up walking away and you know we got to blame somebody or blame something why we left. But deep down, we we stop believing God. I've been talking, I've been, I've been, I've been talking about this thing recently about We better be honest with ourselves from this standpoint. A lot of times, which is what the Lord knows, there are things in our heart that's wrong. And we don't deal with it. Somehow we want to sell ourselves on thinking that we we are all right. We good people and I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, let me tell you something. Murder is in your heart. Lying is in your heart. Fornication and adultery is in your heart. Lying on somebody is in your heart. Covetousness is in your heart. Deception is in your heart. Evil is in your heart. And it all depends on what the situation is that you face will determine if it comes out or it doesn't. The Bible says our heart is evil continually. Out of our heart flows the issues of life. So for you to think your heart is nice, you're deceiving yourself. So at the end of the day, you got to know your heart is wicked and your heart is evil. And you can end up doing wrong things, not because you wanted to, but because the temperature and the situation and everything that's pressing down on you begin to force you and push you to do things that you didn't want to do. And guess what? You didn't pray yesterday or the day before or the day before. So you don't have the wherewithal and the, the spiritual strength to overcome it. And all of a sudden, now you look and says, how did I do that? Now you're trying to figure out how to cover it up. 
But what it really came down to, you underestimated who you are, what's in your heart. We have a need to get our heart right. But we don't want to look at that because we want to feel good about ourselves, that I'm a good person. Yeah. The Bible says, ain't none good but God. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. What it means is when you pray prayers of need, it's always going to be in humility and in a form of repentance. God hears repentant prayer. The minute you begin to understand who God is, not who He is, but the minute you begin to understand your need for God. And understand that without God, you can't make it. And you begin to pray those prayers of uh, need and dependency on God. That's a heart that is repented. So it's all about the position of your heart. So here is the difference. So if I say, if I'm living the way that I want to live, and I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord, I want you to bless and keep me. Let your face shine upon me and be gracious unto me. I can't use that prayer. Lord, I'm getting ready to go out here. Will you protect me? Because I'm getting ready to go stick this person up and rob them. Pr- protect me. God can't hear that. Oh, oh, Lord, I'm getting ready to go, you know, go, go, go do this wrong thing. Will you keep me while I'm doing this wrong thing? People do pray that. So when God says he hear not a prayers of a sinner, he's talking those kind of prayers. But anybody, and we'll get into some more prayers here, anybody that will go before God and understand their need for God, right away that demonstrate a, a repentant heart. See, when, 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 when you don't think you have a need for God, you're a sinner. If you don't think you have a need for God, your heart is not right and you're not a Christian. You're not a, you're a sinner if you don't think you have a need for God. So if you pray to God when you don't think you have a need for God, then your prayers will never get answered. Because you don't have a need for God. You're just saying words. That's what the Pharisees did. They didn't think they have a need for God. They was going to God bragging on who they are. How, how, how I dress and how many times I pray and I give my tithes. They weren't asking God for no need. They were like, look at me, God. I pay my tithes. I go to church. I prayed nine hours a day. I'm the man. That's how they prayed. They were sinners. They didn't think they had a need for God. So when we don't think we have a need for God, God don't answer anything we say. It's not until we get to the place of, I, I need God. Just knowing that you need God means that y- your heart is already now in the right place. When you prayed, when you were getting ready to get baptized, what kind of prayer did you pray? Was you saved then before you went in the water? <laughs> right? You you stood in the water, stood before the baptism pool, somebody laid hands on you, prayed, and you prayed, Lord, I know I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin, I know you're the Lord and Savior of all mankind, and today I'll confess my sin before you, and I ask you to forgive me. Were you saved then? No, but God heard your prayers. It's a prayer of repentance. 
Real prayers are the confession of sin. Real prayers are the longing for mercy. I, I don't think we think we need mercy, but I'm telling you right now, we will never make it without mercy. And so real prayers is saying, God, I need, I long for your mercy. Real prayers is saying, God, and groaning and saying, God, I need your grace. These are the soul and the spirit of prayer. These are prayers of need by understanding you need God's grace, you need God's mercy, and you need God to forgive you of your sins. Those are prayers of need. When you pray for your children and you pray for others, these are prayers you need to pray. God, be merciful to my children. God, be gracious towards my children. God, deliver my sin, my children from their sins. And I ask God that you will forgive them of their sins. Now I know they need to pray the, the prayer of confession of sins themselves, but I'm still praying that. God, please forgive them of their sins. They need to do it themselves, but I'm still praying it. God. Be merciful to my children. God, help them. When Paul prayed, he never believed in Jesus Christ. So his prayers couldn't even get answered. That's another thing. If you don't know who Jesus is, how is your prayers going to be answered? Because the Bible says, no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's in John 14 and 6. So the bottom line is, if you don't pray in the name of Jesus, your prayers, God don't hear it. Or he hears it, but he just kind of, you know, not really respond to it. When Paul finally prayed, it was due to his re realization that he needed God. He realized, I need God. He said, Lord, I need many things. Man, it's nothing like thinking you got everything materially and realize you have nothing emotionally you're empty you know you know I mentioned this to you the other day and I, I think I'm going to be mentioning a lot and the bottom line is this the more of God you desire the less of things you want this is why God says if you ask anything in my name we talked about that. His signature got to be on the check. But here is the thing. The more you seek God for the need that we have in our life, the more you're saying, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. Because you realize all the stuff you got around you are wants. Huh. That's, that, that one cut, right? Yeah, we got a lot of wants in our life. Not a lot of need. And God is standing saying, are you kidding me, guys? When you really get locked in, this is why, this is why, this is why you're wondering, you know, why, you know, a lot of Christians aren't rich. Why a lot of Christians don't have a whole lot of things. Having material things is not a sin. Having money is not a sin. But here is the challenge. Having a lot of stuff requires a lot of your time. back over here having a lot of stuff gets in the way of what you need to do for God when you're rich you're going to have a lot of options 
Like for me, if I was rich, let me be honest with myself. If I was rich, my temptation would be vacations. Why every time we turn around, the pastor going somewhere. He, he, can't even, he can't even pass the one full month straight. Every time we turn around, him and his wife going somewhere. I thought God put them over this church to be leading this church. Every time I turn around, they're on vacation, on some cruise somewhere. That's what would be my challenge. Because I would have the money to go book a cruise every minute. So that's, that's probably what I would be challenged with. Because I can't think of too many other things. That, that, that uh, you know, I can only drive one car. And, and, and my thing is, as a Christian, I got to be honest with you. If I'm trying to reach lost people and they see me changing cars every other day, that's not a good look. I'm just being honest with you. I'm defeating my purpose of, of trying to be a soul winner, of trying to be an example of God. If every time they turn around, oh, you got about five cars, huh? And people in the church struggling. Oh, I'm serious about that. I don't want to get into that situation. And I've said it since we started. If people struggle in our church, it's because they don't have ambition. I'm telling you that right now. Because we're going we're, we're gonna to live for God with, 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 with growth in mind. We're going to mature in God. And so if somebody's in our church, if they come in struggling with the teachings, with the love, with the support and whatever help we can give them, after a while, they would be in a better position than when they first came when they were struggling. The only way they will stay in a bad position is if they're rebellious, disobedient to God, and don't want no help and have no ambition. It's the only way they're going to struggle in this church. Because we're going to do what we can. I would rather stay somewhere where we can afford the mortgage over and over and over so to, and, and help the people of God in the church than to have this big synagogue and we're struggling to pay the rent. And so therefore when somebody comes in with a need, we can't help them. I'm just being honest with you how it works. I'm just telling you. I don't want, I don't want to be living on the high hog and people come to church and, 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 and I'm living just great and they're struggling. I don't know about, listen, I know that's how I am because that happens to me at work. There are positions at my job that pays, you know, twelve fifty and fifteen dollars and, and, and I understand what I'm making for my salary and I feel guilty many times. And I understand I've been to my job all these years. And I understand that I have a position that's supposed to pay me this. But I still feel bad that they're not making close to what I'm making. I'm just telling you how I feel. So it's the same kind of mindset. It's just the way God works. You, God don't work in your life and it's, it's one way at work, but it's a different way at church. Once God is working in you, he's working in you. And I don't like to see people living beneath their privileges that God has set for them. I don't like to see people struggling if God's intent and will for their life is not for them to struggle. So when I see it, I don't like it. I don't like it. So when I look around, I see people at my job making a certain amount, trying to make ends meet, trying to do their best to live right. And I'm like, man, man, man. And so that made me think about the church. And I says, God, help me not to be accumulating stuff and people are struggling in our church because I want to help people get right. And I know we can't just give, 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 give because we know people will try to take advantage. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not even worried about that. I know people, people will try to take advantage, but they won't. I never forgot. We have a, um, a brother in the church, right? It was this, you know, this guy that was coming to our church, um, he needed some help. And so one of the brothers said to me, you know, he always need help. He must not be handling his finances right. 
you know what? I'm going to go by his house. He said, Pastor, let me handle this. I'm going to go by his house and I'm going to take some food and some stuff by there. But I'm going to talk to him about this because he's not handling his money right because I know he'd be having money. But why all of a sudden now he broke and he need me to help him? The brother went by his house, took the food. Yo, man, how you handling your money? Because I can help you with how you need to, you know, uh, what they call it, um, budget. He said, I'll help you out of budget. He ain't asking no food no more. I'm just telling you how we going to roll. I'm just, we were, we're going to do whatever we can to help, but we're not going to let you take advantage. So any day as we grow and you see people walking around like they just busted and don't have anything, trust me, pastor and the team in the church was trying to work with them, but they just wouldn't get it together. It's no longer our responsibility. But we're going to make sure when we're going to try to work with them right from the start, how can we help them? And if they just decide that they're going to live any kind of way they want, because they do it to God. People do it to God. He died on the cross for them, but they just decide, I'm just going to enjoy my life. I don't need God. So they're going to do it to us too. The Bible says that. If they did it to you, if they did it to me, they will do it to you. So they're going to do it to us, but we're just going to make sure we have a good system in place that when we see that, okay, you're not trying, then we'll leave you alone. Paul prayed. He, need, he knew he needed a new heart and a right spirit. He knew he needed truth in the inward parts. I need to know your wisdom, God. Lord, give me sight again. Paul was blind physically, but he prayed for physical sight and spiritual sight. For all those years he was living as a Pharisee, he could not see a lick spiritually. He prayed. All right, let me run through another situation real quick for you. Let me try to take 10 minutes and run through this other scenario about prayers that God will hear. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Anybody have any questions while you turn, turn to Acts chapter 10? Prayers God hears are prayers of needs. It is prayers of needs according to God's will. You think if your heart is broken, God don't want it to be mended? You don't think God want to fix your broken heart? That's a prayer of need. Your heart is broken. God want to fix it. You, think, you don't think if you're hungry, God wants you to be fed physically. This is why we got to do, we got we to gotta do everything the Bible says. It can't just be spiritual, but we got to meet physical needs as well. And a church that just think it's all spiritual is crazy. And a church that think it's all carnal is crazy. We have to meet the whole need of mankind. Acts chapter 10 says this in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea. Check this out, Brother Henry. Called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man. And one that feareth God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and he prayeth to God always. Now I'm going to tell you, I figured out what he prayed to God, but it never said why he prayed to God. Because the Bible didn't say what Cornelius was praying as he prayed all the time to God. didn't say what he was praying, but I figured out what he was praying. Verse 3, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. 
And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? Every time we get this strange voice, we said, Lord, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before me. And now send men to Joppa. The Lord talking to him. Said the, well, the angel of the Lord. And now send men to Joppa. And call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou artest to do. So Cornelius praying. But we don't know what he's praying. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a vision and says, send for Peter from Joppa. But he didn't tell him what to ask Peter. Oh, God, what is going on? These things fascinate me, you know. So, so he's supposed to send for Peter. So Peter came on the scene. Acts chapter 10, verse 30. I'm skipping down some scriptures. So here we go now. So Peter is on the scene. And Cornelius said, he's explaining to Peter what happened. Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call thee, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak to thee. The story is consistent. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. So you hear, Peter, I did everything the Lord said to do, and now you're here. To hear all things that are commanded thee of God. So, he did what the Lord said, now Peter's there. The word, here's Peter now beginning to speak. The word, so, so this is funny. So Peter's on the scene. Cornelius is telling Peter, the Lord just say, send for you. When the Lord spoke to Peter, he didn't tell Peter what to say either. I'm like, what is going on around here, Lord? You're sending people to go see people and you're not telling them what to do. 36, so Peter decided when he showed up, I'm just going to talk to him in the word of the Lord. So here is what Peter began to say in the word of the Lord. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Mm -hmm. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God, here we go now, he jumped into something. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. If you are oppressed by the devil, you got a need. Oh God, we can pray this, pray all day long. And were a witness of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung on a tree. Talking about Jesus. Him God raised the third day and showed him openly. 
41. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Peter's running it down. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to set and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. We need our sins removed. While Peter spake, or while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, these are the people that was with Peter, which believe were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter, then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not or should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost. Cornelius had needs, and he prayed, and he gave alms, but we didn't know what he was praying, and we didn't know what Peter had to come say, but this is what we know. He needed to know who Jesus was. Cornelius was praying, but he really didn't understand who God was. But his desire and his burden to want to know who God is was a need. That's what was going on with Cornelius. Every day when he prayed, we didn't know what he was praying, uh, but what he was praying because this is what he received from God. Uh, he was praying, uh, asking God, uh, will you reveal yourself to me? Uh, will you help me to know who you are? Uh, I know you're there somewhere. Uh, I know you're the almighty God, uh, but I don't know you. I can feel you and I can sense you. I know you do miraculous things, uh, but I don't know you. Uh, will you reveal yourself to me? Uh, I want to know you. I'm giving money to people because I know you're real. I'm trying to help others because I know you're real. But I don't know you. That's what he was praying. Our need is to know who God is. This is why you hear me talk about one God all the time. That Jesus Christ is God Almighty and man at the same time. Because we need to know that. The other thing that happened when he began to minister to him is he received the Holy Ghost. And talked with tongues. The other thing that happened was he got baptized. We got a need to know God. We got a need to receive the Holy Ghost. And we got a need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. This is how our prayers are supposed to be prayed. The prayers of need. God will hear them. Because God want to meet our need. Oh, help us, Jesus. We can't be caught up on the prayers of wants. This is the word of God. It's not what we want. Because God will give us what we want after we receive our need. And once you get your need, you're going to be starting to tell God, Oh, I'm good, I don't want that. I'm good, I don't want that. The more I get to know God, the more I said, I don't want that. 
If I know, if I knew God back then, when did we bought our house? 2003. If I knew God the way I know him now in 2003, I would have probably got a townhouse. Because I don't have to do a lot of work in a townhouse. I don't have no grass to cut. We ain't got to plant no flowers. We don't have to compete with no neighbor. We don't have to make sure everything is aligned with the whole street. That's extra work for me. The season of planting, the season of mowing the lawn is right now. And every day I look at them like, ah. I already looked at the backyard and see the grass coming. I said, I guess I got to cut it. Wasn't my point. My point is, when you get a whole lot of God, you start to realize, I don't really need this. I don't really need that. I don't really need that. Oh, help us, Jesus. Like Ananias, God used Peter as a vehicle to be an answer to Cornelius' prayer. We know this to be true because both men went as God instructed them to, and both Saul and Cornelius' life was never the same. Can I tell you this? Prayers of need, when they are met, your life will never be the same. You can pray prayers of want and your life will never change. If you are downright no good, rotten, stinking person and you got blessed with a whole lot of money, you'll just become a rich, no good, down, rotten, stinking person. That's it. So you can pray for want. It will never change your life. But when you pray for needs, your life has to be changed. Cornelius was never the same again. Mm. Saul was never the same again. And you know what I like? I'm done. The people that God called or instructed, he instructed Peter and he instructed He instructed Ananias to go. Let me say this. We all desire to be used of God. Oh God, I want to be used by you. Oh God, I want to experience the miraculous work and power of God. But we don't want to go. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We just want to stay still and say, God, you know where I'm at. Use me when you want to. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Prepare yourself because you're not going to do it just sitting around. You're not going to do it just chilling. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to go. Listen to me. We'll talk about this a little bit more on Sunday. Peter was such a mess that God had to prepare him before he can go. Because he had some prejudice stuff working in his life. Ananias was fearful of his life. So God had to prepare him. This is why Ananias got a vision. And Paul got a vision. Because God wanted them to be fine. Because both of them was like now. I don't know about this guy. And I don't know about that guy. And the same thing with Cornelius. And the same thing with Peter. God was in it. And God wanted them to make sure they go. God wants to use us. 
But are we going to go? Will we submit and surrender to God? We can't be saying, use me, God, and don't make ourselves available. We, we always say that. God, I, I want to be used by you. Well, are you available? When God tell you to go, what's going to be your response? Oh, God, that ain't you. It's easy to say, God, that ain't you. As opposed to just saying, boy, this ain't good. Listen, get this real quick. When God is doing something, you won't be comfortable with it. Anytime you want to think that, oh, God, 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 and, and, and you th- it's not going to feel good when God is doing something. First of all, just check this out. Every time we read the Lord or an angel of the Lord came and presented himself before anybody, what gets said right after that? Fear not. Because when the presence of God come upon you strong, you get nervous, fearful, and wondering what in the world is going on. So we know when the presence of the Lord comes, it's got to be something good, but you're still fearful. There is never a time when it's something of God that's getting ready to happen that you're like, bring it on, Jesus, like we like to do. No. Mm-mm. The things of God shake you up. The things of God moves you. The things of God can be fearful at times until God calms you down and says, relax, my daughter. Relax, my son. We're thinking when God comes to us, we're going to be running and shouting and jumping. No, 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 no. When God comes see us, oh, Lord. It's going to be good. Trust me, it's going to be good. But it's not going to be easy. God will always make it good. He loves you. And so he wants to do great things in you, through you, and for you. But when he comes initially to tell you what's going on, you walk around like, oh, Lord. Even his favor in your life cost you. Remember I told you that? When we pray favors upon people, the, the blessings of God, everybody start hating on them. Saying people start hating. When God's favors in your life, people start hating. So even when it's just simple as, Lord, bless him and keep him, let your face shine upon him and be gracious unto him and let your peace be upon him and God blesses him like that. All of a sudden now people are looking at him side-eyed and he didn't do one thing. So everything the Lord does, it costs you a little something is what I'm telling you. But we want to say God did this and there's no evidence of Really did God do that? Because when God do something, you're a little disturbed. You're a little troubled. You're a little nervous. When, 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 they, when, when people prophesy what God's going to do in this church, I start crying. I do. Because all I can think about is my struggles and your struggles. As soon as they say, God's going to do this and God's going to do that, I just walk to the side and like, God, why, man? You go, man, God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just wailing up because I just know we're going to struggle. All the great things that God's going to do in your life and my life is going to cost us something. So we might as well just embrace it and get used to it. The prayers that God hear are prayers of need. Let's stand. Prayers of need. When you go home tonight, when you wake up in the morning, throughout the next few days, when you come to church on Sunday, let's get it in our heart and mind that we need to pray prayers that God hears. Not what we feel, not what we think, not what we want, but prayers that God hears are prayers of need. Uh, This Sunday, 
uh, after church, we will have a quick 